Do you ever feel lost at work? Like you're just one among many that you're invisible? My guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast is the Culture Pro. Now, what does that mean? She helps organizations create people-centered work cultures that prioritize individual growth so you don't get lost at work. And beyond that, so you belong and become your best you through your work. That's right, Work Positive Nation. The Culture Pro is in the house. Come on in, pull up a seat, and let's learn together. Welcome to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Discover strategies and tactics that work positive as Dr. Joey talks with industry leaders who create a positive work culture that attracts top talent and reduces team turnover. Discover how you can create a work positive culture that increases productivity and profits. Here's your host, Dr. Joey. Work Positive Nation, help me welcome, yes, she's in the house, Nicole L. Turner, the Culture Pro. Nicole, welcome to the Work Positive Podcast. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. I've been waiting for this. I'm excited for this conversation. Oh, man. Me too. Me too. That's right. <laughs> Nicole and I have been chatting before we started recording here, and we've decided we may have been separated at birth because we like the same foods, we like the same people. I mean, it's just an amazing culture we've already created here. Exactly. <laughs> so, Nicole, you're the culture pro. Tell me where that comes from. So I, my organizational development company specializes in workplace culture. And I tell people, you, you know how when you there's something going on with your body, you have these symptoms and you can't really figure out what's going on. And you go to the doctor and he or she asks you a series of questions to try to get more insight into what's going on with your body. And then they'll probably perhaps send you for more testing. And then they'll prescribe a solution to help you get better. That's what I do with organizations. I go in, I do a deeper dive into their culture, whether that's via culture and climate assessments, focus groups, one-on-one interviews, uh, data analytics, qualitative and quantitative um, data collection. And I look at where they've been prior to me coming in to do the assessment, which is why I look at any artifacts they have in the last three to five years to get a baseline and did not compile all those data points. And I say, hey, this is where your pain points are. And here are my recommendations to make the workplace a healthier, better work environment for all people. Mm, I absolutely love it. You know, in order to get to where we want to be, we got to know where we're starting. Absolutely. And so that that's what you're doing coming in. Yes. Um, and I also like the fact that you're talking about a health model, you know, that, that medical model. We're so often looking for what's wrong, mm -hmm. but you're also looking for what's working well, aren't you, Nicole? I do. One of the things when I'm interviewing employees and even when I do the assessment, I ask what's working well within the organization because it's important to celebrate the wins and you want to build on what's already positive. And it, it, it's honestly, it's a turnoff if all you focus on is the negatives. Let's think about it in our personal life and our personal relationships. If you only told me the things I did wrong, but you never highlighted the things I did right, 
that kind of has a negative impact on how I continue to interact with you moving forward. And the same is true in relationships because there are a lot of great things that are happening in organizations. And we want to highlight that and we want to build on that as well. Oh, I know. When my wife and I were raising our two daughters, we kept this refrigerator magnet, right, with uh, 101 ways to praise your child. Because it's so easy. Don't do that. Stop that. Mm -hmm. da, da, da. Well, it's that way it worked, too. I mean, Sherm tells us 57% of all people leave a job because of a boss like that, right? Yes. He's constantly pointing out the things we're doing wrong. So I love the fact that you're talking about wellness. You know, what makes us healthy around here? What are we already doing? And how do we build on those assets to continue to transform the culture? Otherwise, there's this air of arrogance i think it is or superiority and you and i both know people who come in as mm -hmm. consultants like that are like what did you guys do before i got here <laughs> you know i mean it's just like you're you're just stupid before i rolled into to town so mm -hmm. i love the fact that you find those things you shine the light on what's going right and then accelerate those so let's say that you come in and you do this assessment and you find these wonderful things are going right of course you find some things to tweak or enhance and transform what about one of those things being the attraction of top talent? Mm -hmm. How do these healthy work cultures attract top talent, Nicole? One of the ways that the workplace culture attracts top talent is first, first making sure what their brand and outwardly faces brand is saying. And I mm. think people, a lot of organizations, whether they're public, private, nonprofits, higher ed, healthcare, what they fail to realize is your outwardly facing brand. Most people nowadays will go research a company before they apply, or if they don't do it before they apply, once they get the interview, they're going to research you and, and they can see what past employees have said about you on the Securities and Exchange Commission side. If you're a publicly traded company, they can go to Edgar, E-D-G-A-R, and see how many times you've been sued by employees, what the outcomes were. So one of the things, one of the first things is making sure that your outwardly facing brand says what you wanted to say and how you do that is by one, focusing on the culture, having an environment where you're welcoming a diverse group of experiences, talents, perspectives, and diversity doesn't mean you look differently because we can look exactly the same and have very different experiences. Absolutely. You also create an environment where there's psychological safety because a lot of times your current employees will be part of your recruiting mechanism for you. They'll go out and say, hey, my place is a great place to work. You should apply for a job here. We know on LinkedIn, uh, a lot of people post about jobs that are at their organization. And if they're posting, it's probably because they feel like it's a good place for somebody to work. If they themselves are struggling, they're not going to post a job for some person to come apply to. So really taking a look at one, how are you recruiting? especially in this day and age where we have five generations in the workplace, know. you know, are you looking at partnering with the communities within where your organization sits, where your company sits? And that may mean partnering with some community colleges or some high schools to get even students interested in the type of work that you do. Are you, if you're lacking in having a certain population, are you going to those organizations that appeal to those populations or going to the universities that appeal to those populations? Also, when it comes to attracting talent, 
when you bring people in for an interview, you want to make sure that there is at least one person on the interview panel who looks like the person you're interviewing. And because that also speaks to, I wrote an article once about how you can tell in the job interview that a workplace is toxic. And people underestimate when you're trying to recruit people, what you do and say in that interview goes a long way. Your posture in that interview goes a long way. The the makeup of the panel goes a long way. So, again, if you want to attract the right people, think about your outwardly facing brand. Think about your internal culture. What's your outreach like? What's your panel makeup like? And also get away from those traditional questions that you you ask folks. Because what? you mean I can't ask what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? No. <laughs> no. They don't really give you an insight. I may be good at answering a question and be a, uh-huh. a not so great employee, or I may be bad at answering the question, but I uh-huh. could be a dynamic, you know, an employee. I know. Well, you and I are both from the South, as we were talking about before we came on, Nicole. <laughs> and and so I I love for people to ask story-based questions. Yes. You know, tell me a story about when you faced XYZ challenge mm-hmm. and overcame it, uh, something like that, because our brains are wired for stories, aren't they? They are. And, and also when it comes to hiring, you know, a lot of the job announcements, they're so specific in what they're asking for. Mm-hmm. And they eliminate a lot of people who could be really great for their organization. So there also has to be flexibility in interviewing and flexibility in the, the analysis that led to the posting, because you could be eliminating people who are exactly what you need, but because you were so rigid in mm-hmm. your posting process. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you want to leave some room because mm-hmm. it's uh, much like dating. You're not going to get 10 out of 10. Thank yep. God my wife didn't insist on 10 <laughs> out of 10 when we were dating. But, you know, I mean, you want you want to get close, but you can leave some things to have a conversation about mm-hmm. that are of interest to you without having to narrow the range so deeply, right, yes. in that initial posting that people are self-selecting out. Mm-hmm. So let's say, Nicole, um, I'm doing what you're talking about. The outward-facing branding is there. Um, mm-hmm. Looking at my internal culture to make sure that even in that interviewing process, which makes those first impressions, right, that I've got someone who looks like, acts like, talks like, hopefully, um, the person that we're interviewing, right, it could at least relate to them, so that my attraction of top talent process is reflective of how we roll in our company. And that way it creates that best first impression. And so we're able to move forward to the next step. And then hopefully we invite the person onto the team. And once they get there, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, so many of them are leaving. I mentioned the Sherm um, Mm -hmm. just a minute ago. How, And then I saw another one recently said 60% of people leaving because of a bad boss. How do I work to make sure that my back door is smaller than my front door? (laughs) Well, first of all, when you're bringing in someone new, set them up for success. I am amazed by the number of organizations that don't even have someone that a new employee, especially if it's a fresh out of college, new in their career type of employee, someone that they can, a more seasoned, tenured person that they can partner them with. Um, They don't have standard operating procedures or whether that's a knowledge sharing database virtual that's electronic or an actual binder, which people get away. They don't do those anymore. But if you have that, that's fine. 
But you want to make sure you are setting the person up for success. Mm. First of all, when they come in, what what's so amazing to me is when I think about some of these not so great leaders, it's like the higher up they go, they tend to get amnesia about what they needed when they were at that level. Yes. And with any new employee, I think it's so important for leadership to tap into when I was in their position, what mattered most to me? Mm. What did I need from someone like me? Mm. Um, Employee emotional intelligence is already stressful enough for a new person Mm. coming into an environment that they don't know anything about. So, You want to make sure that it's one where they feel psychologically safe to say, you know, if they don't fully know how this system works or they don't understand this particular way of doing things, because maybe where they worked before, they did not have this process where they feel comfortable saying that and they won't be penalized Mm -hmm. for speaking up and saying, I need help and need more clarification. So I think it's so important to have someone that who's been at the organization longer or someone who may have been in their career longer that you can partner with them with for at least a couple of months. Also have processes in place that they can go to and refer to if they want to do a deeper dive into the nature of the work that they do and even the nature of the organization. And also as a leader, tap into your emotional intelligence and and think about what you wanted and needed when you were in their position. Oh my goodness. Empathy goes a very long ways, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. <laughs> yeah, we've had uh, Rob Volpe and Joshua Friedman on the Work Positive Podcast, and both those guys enjoy talking about emotional intelligence. I love the way you couch that in talking about amnesia. The further removed you get from the position for which you're hiring, the more likely you are to forget what made you mm-hmm. to have a successful entrance experience and to create that entrance ramp that mm-hmm. really cements and. Just like with the attraction of top talent, right? In those first interviews and what have you. And you get one shot at a first impression that really casts the mold for the rest of their work experience with your yes. company. So in, in thinking about that, again, it's that it's more internal messaging now instead of external messaging, right? In thinking about that, Nicole, how do you measure, you talked about assessments earlier, right? How do you measure What are the metrics for discovering a positive work culture? So one of the metrics that I use for a positive work work culture, I have like categories Mm -hmm. that help me determine whether or not the the culture is a, a healthy one. And those categories deal with leadership. Those categories deal with professional development. Those categories deal with promotion opportunities. And it also deals with um, collaboration and innovation. Those are some of the main things I look at because if it's not an environment where you are developing me, regardless of how many years I've been in the workplace, we all technology changes new Mm. processes come in place, new ideas Mm -hmm. come in place, you know, and so I need to, to have an opportunity to learn and grow. Also promotion advancement, you know, most people aren't 
working just because they like to work, right? <laughs> and, and if I'm doing a great job and I've been doing this great job for an extended amount of time, I would love to be rewarded for doing that great job. And also, you know, how you promote collaboration. Are you a type of organization, a culture where it's com- competition amongst peers or are you one that push collaboration amongst mm-hmm. peers? And are you one that's open to risk taking and you are one that has room for innovation? Because as we know, especially nowadays, I'm a Gen Xer, but some of the things that the Gen Zs think about, my brain would not even think about. So <laughs> you have to be open to you know, different perspectives and and getting away from, we do it this way because we've always done it this way. And a lot of people say that because of the fear, especially if they're in a leadership position, that they won't succeed because they've already mastered something. So if I try something new, I may not look as competent to my my employees. So having a culture of innovation, uh, collaboration and teamwork and giving opportunities to develop and having opportunities for for training and promotions. Yeah. So what are some of the questions you ask to ferret out some of those metrics like innovation? How do you assess for this is an innovative environment or this is not? So one of the questions I ask is I have an opportunity to share ideas and try something and take on a new project within my organization. And one question is just a simple, I agree five skills all the way down to strongly agree, disagree. My environment is one that promotes innovation. Mm. And a lot of times that in itself begins to tell me, you know, and then from there do employees, I can remember one of uh, my clients is a, a very large department under the federal government. And it was interesting how, a lot of the new younger employees, they graduated from MIT and Harvard, and they had this expectation that they were going to be on the front lines of innovation for what the type of work is that, you know, that this organization does. And when they applied to this announcement, it was like a generic announcement for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And But when they got in, they weren't doing any of the stuff they thought they were doing. So they were already working their exit strategy. Oh, wow. Because they're like, I went to these schools and majored in these things and applied to this particular agency because I wanted to be on the cutting edge of technology as it relates to this particular industry. And even though they promoted that, that's not that wasn't the reality. It was like the bait and switch. <laughs> oh, well, well, the first giveaway was that it was a government agency, right? But other, other <laughs> it <than> was, that, <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> you think there'd be some. Yeah. So I. I think of that as dating someone hard. And then when you get married, you just switch up on them. Yeah. You relax it. So Mm -hmm. uh, that consistency, and I love that question, you know, just, just directly asking Mm -hmm. how much do people listen to your ideas around here? How innovative is it? Um, And and people pause with risk taking. I can remember another organization, they're heavy research. mm -hmm. um, And they were like, you cannot ask our employees about risk taking. They were adamant about not using the words risk taking. And I was like, even in research and science, there is room. You're not going to go outside of the the parameters of of what you do. There's always room for taking risk. And I think a lot of people see risk taking 
as when I worked for someone, this says Nicole L. Turner, risk taker of the quarter. Oh, wow. (laughs) Because I was big on taking risks and the risks that I took made it improved something. And I think, you know, a lot of organizations have to stop seeing risk and even stop seeing failure as a bad thing, because as human beings in general, we fail at so many different things and give your employees room to fail because that's how they begin to succeed. So Mm -hmm. it's also like a mindset shift that needs to happen in the way people Mm -hmm. do work now. Yeah. And that's one of the great contributions, I think, from Silicon Valley is we've discovered the virtue of making new mistakes faster. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the metrics for success is, right, how many failures did you have? How many mistakes did you make? And what did you learn from them? Mm -hmm. So you're discovering ways not to do this, but finding ways to do this. Of course, you know, you can understand so many research based organizations don't want to take a risk because they live and die by grants. And the Mm -hmm. grants have very specific parameters associated with them. So how do you, in in terms of pursuing a positive work culture, Nicole, how do you help people who feel boxed in, right? The longing for the familiar in their brain is so strong and the fears that grow out of any consideration of anything beyond that. How do you help them take a baby step towards risk, which is, as you and I know, the pathway to innovation? You know, for me, it's funny when I'm dealing with organizations, a lot of times things become clearer for people when you can associate it to something that they they know. And so a lot of times I compare organizations to those personal relationships. And, you know, one of the things I, I talk about, like even with their children, if your kids never took their first steps because they were afraid, I'm going to fall and I'm going to hurt myself, mm. you know, would they ever walked right mm-hmm. um, in your life? If you never got outside of what, you know, and it's expanded, like for me, had I never left Mississippi, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would be at this particular place. Right. You know, and what are the, what are the risks if you stay doing the same thing mm-hmm. that we all know that expression, you know, only, only a fool does the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Right. Mm-hmm. And, in order for there to be, if you're a for-profit organization, I, I just paint the picture for them. If you want to have higher profits, you want to have better customer relations, mm-hmm. you want your subject matter experts to stay with you and not go to the competition. <laughs> you know, if you want to be able to attract the talent of, of various people in various industries, various age demographics, you have to be open-minded. You have to be flexible. And that's one of the biggest challenges for people in leadership roles. And I, I, I think a lot of people are put in these positions, but they were never properly trained to go into the positions. Uh, yeah, especially and, and that's part of the issue. You, you give me the training once I get the job. But you really should have a pipeline, the whole succession planning, um, the Mm. talent development. You really should have a pipeline of people that are already prepared. And we need to look at what leadership means, because what it means in 2023 is not what it it, it meant in 1963. Right. Or 2019. Exactly. Especially 2019, because what COVID did put on the forefront that people now want to be somewhere where they feel like they matter as human beings Mm. and they want to feel like my mental and emotional well-being is just as important 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, because organizations don't realize when you're in a toxic, when you create a toxic work environment, it doesn't just impact how that employee shows up in that organization. It impacts how they interact with themselves and with their family and with their friends and in the communities in which they they live and, and they they serve. And so it's it's like, it's like a cancer that bleeds throughout. You know. And and then you have to decide, and which is why I focus on creating people-centered workplaces that make employee well-being a priority because mm-hmm. these are human beings and you can no longer treat them like they're widgets and robots because they're real live people. Their needs don't change once they walk into an organization or log on to a laptop. They still have those basic human needs. Mm, yeah. And I love the way you talk about a people centered organization that focuses on individual growth, because so often we feel invisible at work. We feel lost at work. We just become employee number one, two, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. And and so the individuality of what makes Nicole, Nicole and Joey, Joey is is just washed out in this great. Uh, complex, right, Mm -hmm. of of this organization. So what are some of the challenges that you see companies facing today, Nicole, in terms of that individual growth while still getting the work done that makes the company sustainable? I think one of the biggest challenges that I've seen to date is organizations' inability to shift the way they think about the people within the organization. Hmm. And if you can't shift your mindset on that, a lot of things are dead in the water out the gate. So that's one of the biggest challenges. And I totally get it. If you're an organization that's been in existence forever and you have these customers, you have your processes, your technology, all these things in place, you don't want to disrupt the apple cart. But at the same time, what's the penalty if you don't? Mm. And and I think a lot of organizations don't want to take an inward look at and, and this is something else I found with leaders when I have to give the hard truth, like I'm the truth teller and I have to say to you that you're part of the problem. And yeah. it's not something I take joy in, oh, no. but I'm not here to sugarcoat. I'm here to help you make your organization better. Yeah. And it really is. He, it was it, what he said in the movie was right. A lot of them really can't handle the truth. <laughs> That's right. But it, but it takes a level of accountability, mm. one, um, to acknowledge that, yeah, maybe I had some missteps and that leader themselves have to want to do things differently as a leader for themselves first. And it starts there because the higher up you go in an organization, the less technical you need to be. You really need to be able to motivate, inspire, empower the people who work for you, which is why when you see the graphs of a leader, you see the leader um, in the front. When you see the graph of the manager, the manager is usually in the back cracking crack the whip, right? Because managers manage typically manage more tasks and programs and leaders right. lead people. Right. And I, I, I really think going back to what I said, it starts with thinking differently shifting your mindset and that's not going to happen overnight that's probably not going to happen in five or ten years but Hmm. if you start to take steps in changing what you think about organizations and leading organizations that are made up of people i love it and that reminds me of something you said earlier nicole and that was 
something familiar. Let's begin with something familiar and finding the way to shine the light on those things they're doing well in their culture. Now, those things are familiar. So that then becomes the platform by which we can say, okay, here's what we're doing well. And here's where we can improve. Let's find some ways of architecting Mm -hmm. that process for how we can improve because here's what we're discovering in our assessments. Nicole Turner is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. TheCulturePro.com is a website you want to go to right now. We're wrapping up this episode here in a few minutes, but go ahead there now, or unless you're walking the dog or on the Peloton, or maybe you're one of those people who are having to go back into the office, so therefore you're commuting and you can't can't flip through your phone right now. Just be sure to go to TheCulturePro.com at some point in time and, and check out that. What are we going to find when we go to TheCulturePro.com, Nicole? Find all of my services, what I offer, my books. Also, I have a blog that I do every week on on workplace culture topics too. And I also have resources for individuals, organizations, leaders that they can download and, um, you know, and and it's free to download those things to help them better position themselves um, as leaders and to also do a deeper dive for themselves, do a self-assessment of how am I as a leader and what is it that my organization need to create those people-centered workplaces? Wonderful. Now, one of the books that you mentioned to me earlier is Cracking the Organizational Climate and Culture Code. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about what that book's about. So this book is about, you know, taking a look at organizational culture. What is organizational culture? What is organizational climate? I say one is like the mood and the other is like the personality. Uh-huh. And what are the what are the the tenants that make up a workplace culture and what are the, the things that impact workplace uh, or make up workplace climate and how one impacts the other and how can you go about creating organizations where you know people feel welcomed, where you can deal with those organizational behavior. Because I start the book out talking about organizational behavior, how the organization behaves as a whole. And then with that behavior, I mean, we think about as people, how we behave as individuals and how that behavior impacts our relationship with money, our relationship with other people, our relationship with our careers. Mm-hmm. It's no different when organizations behave a certain way. It has an impact on their their dollars, their customers. So I talk about those things and I provide tips on how to make an organization um, healthier and better as a whole. <laughs> and more people-centered so that individual growth takes place in a very healthy environment. Yeah. yeah. And I'm- even organizational growth takes place in a healthier Absolutely. Because I'm remembering you also wrote a book about toxic work cultures. That's when organizations misbehave, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's another podcast for another day, right? (laughs) So uh, there's a link in your show notes for this particular episode of the Work Positive Podcast, friends. And you can go there and click on it and go over to Amazon and you can get your own copy of Cracking the Organizational Climate and Culture Code. Nicole, you've been an amazing guest today, but I can't let you go until you answer the (laughs) burning question that Work Positive Nation wants me to make sure I ask of all my guests. And that is what's one thing what's one thing work positive nation can do today to begin transforming their current culture into a positive work culture i say one thing you can do today is get to your center like as a human being 
what feeds your center. And then more times than not, that's probably what feeds your employee center. Mm-hmm. Take care of your people. <laughs> yeah. And that includes taking care of yourself. Taking care of yourself. Yes. So because a lot got- of times people who are not so great leaders and bosses, they themselves are going through something, whether it's going through something with their leaders or going through something in their personal lives. And it's just manifesting in a certain way because they don't have an outlet. And so a lot of people, even even the toxic leaders, they're human beings, too. And everyone is battling something that we know nothing about and caring enough to give people grace and, and have understanding and compassion goes a long way. We're all just trying to figure it out, aren't we? Nicole? We are. Yes, we are. <laughs> Nicole Turner is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Go right now to theculturepro.com, and there you'll find all these amazing things. And the book is Cracking the Organizational Climate and Culture Code. Do yourself a favor, get the book, go to the website, and create your own positive work culture today. Nicole, thank you so much for being my guest. I've learned a lot. I know Work Positive Nations learned a lot. And I just appreciate your generous gift of your time and wisdom. Thank you. I appreciate you having me as a guest. It's been amazing. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends who are HR and small business leaders so they can do one thing today to create a positive work culture that increases productivity and profits. I'd like to give you a free work positive course just for listening. It's called Something to Talk About, and it's transformed the work conversations of so many people all over the world. Get your free copy when you go to workpositive.today slash something to talk about, and you can start transforming your conversations today. Remember, it pays to work positive.